Well, we got all these floppy disks. I was like, yes, but look at this. One zip drive. That's all we'll ever need. Yeah. I remember on the PC, screwing it into the parallel port. It was like a printer port. That's what this show should be, is reminiscing about old... Remember when. Remember when. Old tech. Exactly. (laughs) Welcome to ArcaSpeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 108 of the ArcaSpeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of ArcaSpeak is sponsored by RCAT and Charette Venture Group, and also BQE Software. We'll talk more about each of them later in the show. All right, so let's get right into the topic uh, this week. And we got a great email from a listener of the show, and I love the title of it. It was Universal Intern Problem. And I think we all kind of shook our heads. Yeah, we've got <laughs> interns are a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and yes, everybody deals with this, so it is universal. No, so the 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 idea behind this email is really like office standards. And and I thought this was a, a an interesting topic because it seems to to be like like they're saying, is it is this a universal problem? So let me let me quickly read there email and then we can we can chat about this stuff. So I'm an architecture student. I have an internship slash part-time job at a firm and I have been with the firm for four months and this week was the first time a supervisor has bothered to go over office specific CAD standards, sheet layouts, standard practices, etc. So they say fortunately that they have a background in CAD and drafting but feel that they could have been infinitely more productive if there was a firm-wide specific manual of some kind. So f- there would be fewer red lines on check sets, fewer questions, etc. And so they asked around uh, if this, if you know, other classmates of theirs had manuals, and they said that they didn't either. And so then they're asking, is this the norm in the profession? Wouldn't it save a ton of time and headache if firms assembled even a cursory one sheet addressing firm-specific drawing standards? And so as an intern architect. I know my productivity, learning curve, and confidence would climb exponentially with something like that. So they wanted to know what we thought about that. So there's a lot packed into that that question, but I think overall, this is a topic that's kind of a plague for a lot of offices because what I call, you know, this is a chicken and the egg problem. Like who has time to make this stuff and do all the work? But at the same time, uh, the productivity suffers because this stuff doesn't exist in, in most firms. So I guess we'll just open it up there and, and see where this goes. But I think that this is a topic about onboarding, standards, expectations. There's, there's so much that we could, we could go off on here that, that it is, uh, it's a really good question. So thanks to our listener for asking. It. Let me ask you this first. Do you have a, such a manual in each of, uh, I'll start us off and say, yes, we do have a manual uh, in our office. So what about you guys? We ha- we do. And, and it's, so, so to me, there's actually, it's, it's a way bigger question because we have Revit standards and we've got CAD standards. But to me, this starts with expectations of what an intern is going to do. It, it talks about like them having a specific list of, of things that they're going to accomplish and get exposure to while they're in an office during their internship. And then how do they get onboarded? Like what's the right way? 
or do they just show up one day and then you scramble to put them onto some task and then you continue to struggle with that throughout their internship? Well, we're saying the internship and, and that's probably onboarding an intern is probably harder than onboarding a, a seasoned employee or, you know, somebody who's had a little bit more experience. I would, I would argue that at on the surface, yes, but in practice, a seasoned employee is more trouble because they come with so much baggage, architectural office baggage. Well, of, exactly. This is the way we did things. And that, that d- usually conflicts. Yeah. That's exactly where I was going with it is it, because I'll give, I'll give you a good example. And that would be me. I went from a firm that I wor- had worked there for six years and I was trying to help them develop some standards and then just never really happened. And so there was really no intern onboarding of any kind. And, you know, when we talk about onboarding, just if people are scratching their head on what onboarding is, it's when, you know, you have a new employee come in and you indoctrinate them into the standards, ways and practices, means and methods of doing how you get along within the firm, the standards, exactly what, you know, he was saying in his email. Because I didn't have standards from my old office, I developed my own standards. And so I come into a new firm, a firm that's been around for, you know, a hundred years and assuming that they have standards and we do in an onboarding process and we do, are they perfect? No, nobody's really are, but there's, it's better if you actually have some place to start. But so I did, however, didn't do my onboarding this particular firm for probably about a month. And so for a month, I was somewhat operating as if my standards that I developed were good enough to keep going. As you saw these drawings that I started to develop come into fruition, and I started to compare them with other projects that were going out of the office, I noticed that that they needed a lot of work because what I was used to, I was either A, providing too much information and too much detail in one location where they actually put it in other locations and so on. So... It was it was a challenge for me as somebody who's now got what seventeen plus years of experience to come into a new firm and integrate into their process without having the opportunity to go through the onboarding process that first day. And I'll, I'll tell you a story of another firm that I know of that actually has really good onboarding standards where. And I don't know if they still do, so I'm going to say the name of the firm. And so there's a firm in Nashville. It's LRK, Looney, Ricks, and Kiss um, architecture firm. Big firm, kind of the size of, like, say, the firm I work for, a couple hundred people kind of thing. Uh, Evan works for the big mega crazy. I think we guys are like five, 600, something like that. No, no, no. Oh. Like three, 330. Oh, like oh so, so they're, they're about that size. And so when you start working for LRK, and this comes from, you know, I, I had several friends who work there, and I don't know if the firm still does the same thing. So if anybody is out there that listens to the show that actually works for them, let me know if they still actually do this. So they actually have what's something kind of called like the LRK Academy or whatever. So you come in there and for a week... Before you do anything else, the very first day is obviously the paperwork and stuff like that. But for a full week, you're actually in training to do things the LRK way. 
I thought it was great because you learn the CAD standards, you learn the BIM standards, you learn, depending on what level you are, you learn what your roles and responsibilities are. And they actually go through all of the different roles and responsibilities of each of the level, you know, so you know what is expected of you now. But if you want to grow within the firm, you should know what is expected of you in the future. You know, so say if you're coming in as a project intern, well, what does it mean to move up to the next level of, you know, maybe a project architect or, you know, senior project architect or what is a project manager? And so they give you every role and responsibility so you know who to ask, what to ask, where to go. Where are the resource libraries? Where are the design standards? Where are the graphic standards? All of these different things. So that each person coming in, regardless of their educational experience or their time within an office, knows exactly what it what it takes to work at LRK. And I thought that was great. And I never understood why other firms never did that. And I've worked for a few other firms that... They never met a standard that they liked. Um, it was just the opposite of of this this one experience or this one uh, story that I was told by a friend of mine who used to work there. Well, you just described the ideal situation, right? Yeah, that's the ideal situation. But <laughs> well, and there's that's what Apple does. Neil, you probably know about this. I mean, Apple set up when Steve Jobs was still there. He hired like a dean from Yale to come in and start Apple University to do exactly the same thing. And there's nothing written about it. Like they don't share anything. So it's just kind of speculation at this point. But it it was set up to do exactly that. He knew he wasn't going to be there. And so he wanted to set into motion a university, a training system so that, and I don't think that this really had to do with with the day-to-day stuff as it had to do with these, this is big company stuff. This is where the company's going. This is how we do things. This is why we do things. And he put that into place. And I'm sure it's probably trickled down to lots of other areas within the company, but it was one of those things where he knew, again, he wasn't going to be there for long. And so he wanted to kind of set in stone how, what the Apple way was. And so that everybody was on board with the same foundation. Well, I think to answer Kind of quickly, the part of the question is, I don't think this is the norm in the profession, although I will say since most of the firms in this profession are smaller firms, I think that the smaller the firm, the less likely you're going to see that they've had the time or spent the effort yeah. to put together a quote-unquote official manual. And so as you, we each now, myself, joined a firm again almost a year ago, and it's a larger firm of, uh, I don't know, 125 or so people, plus or minus. And they do have, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a manual. The only issue that that sometimes, so I guess where I want to go with this a little bit is uh, having a manual is great. And there's definitely no substitute for not having it. But at the same time, it can be somebody's full-time job to keep it up as well. Yep. And so what often happens is, yes, you may have this manual, and yes, it was a good starting point, but it was forgotten and left alone. And so even though you may get it on day one, there may nobody's really maybe explaining it to you because they don't have that onboarding process that you described, uh, Cormac, in the ideal situation that does exist, apparently. But maybe it gets for yeah, maybe. And then it but it gets forgotten and things change. 
and then the manual doesn't get updated. And so a lot of that information right. sometimes will get out of date. And then you almost have a larger problem, right? Because now you have newer things that people are doing. Or I'll tell you, like in my firm, we have a two, two floors in this building. And you find that a group of people on the first floor do things slightly differently than the group of people on the second floor. We have exactly the same issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So different studios all do things differently. Different groups within studios do things differently. Yes. Right. Right. So even though our, as our listener asked, is this normal? I think maybe the nor- maybe the answer is yes, it is normal to not have this, but even when you do have it, it doesn't solve all of the problems. Right. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you that depending on which project manager you work with, you may get something slightly different or somebody's like, well, you know, that detail that they draw there, I don't really like that kind of detail. I know that's a standard office detail, but we've changed that detail and we're going to do this. You know, it, it starts to waver on personal preferences. It starts to waver on experiences people had at other firms. Yeah, so there is, they're really, it's not, <laughs> so changing it from universal intern problem to universal architecture problem yeah, exactly. is probably a better way to explain it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew that everybody was so frustrated with this? Yeah. Uh, we all did. <laughs> Well, I I will say right now in our office, we're going through an effort of, we have older standards and we're trying to go through and update them so that we can do a, because we're going through a bigger effort now of an integrated design practice. And with the integrated design practice, it means that everybody really does need to be on the same sheet of music when it comes to doing all of these different things. And whether it's what are your deliverables, what are the expectations of the people with on the, within the project? I mean, all sorts of different things. And right now, it's the standards that one particular division within the firm has versus another one is almost non-existent. There is no comparison between them. People who are doing like our student life t- type work is doing something different than our arts and sciences type stuff. And so there is no real standard because we're delivering two completely different types of projects. And so it's a really, it's it's a struggle. And so I think it's, it's, again, going back to changing the title of this show from intern to architect, like architecture problem. Oh, it's a lot of businesses, actually. Yeah, it's it's complicated. Well, yeah. And I think even even adding onto that is one one of the difficult things about standards. And Neil alluded to this with which is talking about how thing, how fast things change is is that change is constant and people have good ideas. And so how do you make room for that kind of stuff? I mean, there's there are better ways to do things happening all the time. And if people are on the lookout for that kind of stuff because they're interested in it, they have to have the the freedom and the the safety to like bring up ideas on how things get better and then how do you roll that out to a company that's it is a difficult difficult problem right absolutely well let's take a second out and talk about our first sponsor for this show and that is our longtime sponsor rcat and so rcat asked the question what's the one thing that we all do in our practice and the answer is we search the internet for content so what they want to tell us is that rcat.com is the online resource devoted to bringing content to the building professional they have huge libraries that you can access and they do not hit you up for subscriptions there's no fees and they won't make you register to download the content 
So we've all been there. You finally find the right file. You get blocked with a registration pop-up and you think, thanks for wasting my time. I will find it somewhere else. RCAT's BIM library is really second to none and available in just about any format that you need. In fact, their entire BIM library is formatted for the last five versions of Revit. Their CAD detail library has thousands of CAD details, and if you need specs, the RCAT library is the most consistent library you will find. Every single spec is written in the three-part format. And I see this question come up all the time. What are you guys using for specs? How do you guys write specs? And I think uh, the answer typically from from me is go to RCAT. (laughs) There's so much more on their site, including catalogs, videos, and spec wizard. You can go to RCAT.com to download their app, and you can check it all out. It's a great free resource. You do not, again, have to register to use it. So check out RCAT today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. What are you waiting for? Do not forget that you can also provide feedback on their website. On the right side of every page, there's a button, and you can make your suggestions to help make RCAT better. And we would like it also if you let them know that ArcaSpeak sent you. So thanks again, RCAT, for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. And let's get back to the conversation. So just to kick things back off here, can I... Uh, go a little bit of a of a little bit of a different direction all right so so one of the things that and neil i what what format is your guys's uh manual in and i guess the question is for both of you guys Ooh, format yeah is it is it like on a web page is it a pdf is it a printed out like three ring binder what how how is it delivered to you guys oh okay it is a three ring binder cormac what about yours all right so i'm going to tell you what it was and what it is becoming Okay. So what it was was a both in PDF format that you that lived in our Office Standards folder on our Office Standards drive or and when you got there they gave you a printed out version. Okay. So that you could kind of follow along when they were doing it. What we're actually doing now which is which I I'm kind of interestedly excited about this is so we've developed this kind of internal uh, I I don't know how to explain it as well as they do, but essentially it's it's very similar to how we use Trello and things like that, where we do an internal communication, where we post thoughts, we post ideas, we share standards, we share links to, you know, like how our, how we pull, pull together graphic stuff. We share news about recent proposals and or interviews that we've had. People can post questions. I, I don't, I'm not going to say what it's so, called. So, so an intranet. So, it, it's it's an internet, but it's kind of like the internet 2.0 type version. So it's very very similar to how we. It's 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 kind of like a it's it's an internet it's an intranet and a chat room and everything yeah. you know. And it's, it's Facebook. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like a, a, a free flowing form of information, but it's searchable. It's integrated into like all of our project folders and stuff, so you're able to not only just have conversations and send links and stuff, but you're also you know able to like pull up project information all within one location rather than having to kind of like go from window to window to window to try to do things. And I think that that's going to be interesting because say, for instance, I'm working on a parapet detail and the parapet is butts up against an existing building and I need an expansion joint detail. Does anybody have any experience that they can maybe share with me about that kind of uh, that kind of condition. So not only are they going to ma- potentially send somebody information about or a link to that, 
but they're also going to probably do some, hopefully what comes out of it is they're going to share some experiences about, well, we had this condition and we, we drew it this way, but the contractor or the manufacturer said, you know, maybe to do it this way. And so we started to work that way out. Or they'll say, okay, well, they installed it exactly the way I drew it, but it failed a month later because we forgot to do this or this. And so that they could have the conversation to build off of other people's experiences and their own base knowledge of things to help other people grow with it. And so that's where we're going. And so that's actually going to be a big part of how we onboard people is having to let them know how to under, understand this resource. Read the internet. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the reason I asked is, is that that's a great example right there because you guys both showed two very different approaches to the, and trying to answer this problem. And I think we could probably all agree that a printed resource, the problem with that is that it's not a living document. No. Uh, or you have to start swapping out sheets or you've got to print out new versions every once in a while so that it is current. And, and to me, this is, again, going back to what you said, Neil, earlier about how this kind of has to be someone's full-time job. And I would even add to that, that depending on what is in this document, it needs to be someone who actually does the work, who, who writes it, because a lot of times that gets offloaded onto somebody in some type of administrative position, and they don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. And so th- this living document, I think... Cormac, you're, what you're talking about is exactly what everybody wants is, is like a common knowledge base that is searchable. Search is like the, the biggest part of it, right? Yeah. So when the problem arises, I can search for the answer for it. Uh, and you could find out what the ASG way is to do that. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a question, like pre-show we were talking about Neil's, I'm kind of excited to listen about the development of this throughout future shows and stuff but neil's dipping the toe in the bim he's that's right he's taking the leap but a resource like what we've what we're working on and we're about to fully launch they've been beta testing it and we're about to launch it uh firm wide is this is so if if neil's like hey how do i launch bim or or how do i launch revit (laughs) sorry bim how do i launch revit and then somebody like quickly emails back you press the button you know, kind of thing, but I'm trivializing. But I mean, <laughs> I know he knows how. To, I'm just kidding, Neil. But, sure about that? <laughs> maybe not. It's okay, but double click. Um, I'm guessing you know how to double click an icon. Um, but I mean, you don't you don't pull out the stone tablet and the rock. You don't use the no. chisel on the monitor. You don't Neil. do yes, the chisel. Yes, on the don't monitor. Do okay, I'll remember that. that. I'm going to take a note about that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, idea. thank you. Wait, hold on. Do you hear the chiseling? He's taking a note. <laughs> I'm looking uh, for a chisel effect. I'm, look, I'm looking for my tablet so I can One chisel. of the big things with this is that is that we have people working in our offices who've been there a really long time, and they have never written anything down. Right. And to me, this is like the one of the main ideas here is that if you want to stop getting bugged with what you might call stupid questions, right. because you've never taken the time to tell people the way that they need to do things in this office, then you need to write this stuff down. And and there's a great article that I've read quite a while ago that kind of opened my eyes to this. And it was from Derek Sivers, who's a, a, 
the guy who started CD Baby, which was like the first independent uh, online music company outside of iTunes that my band released our album through them and got it on iTunes. And it was this amazing thing. And, and he was running this show by himself and he was going crazy because the, the, the market was taking off and he was hiring all kinds of people. And he realized, and there's, it's bolded in this article, and we'll paste the link to this in our show notes for this episode. And he said, I had to make myself unnecessary to the running of my company. And he realized that he had to change into a delegation mindset instead of I've got to do everything kind of a mindset. And the only way that's going to happen, I think this really applies to the small firms who are listening to this show, is I don't care how many employees you have. If you want someone else to not just constantly bombard you with how do we do this? How do we do that? How do you want this done? Write it down. Right. And then have, or even better, have someone else write it down if you do have another person and tell them to write it down so that they own it too. And if the more the people can contribute to this living document, the better. And if it isn't a living document, if it's a paper thing, it is so easy to swap this out with like an online wiki style thing Mm. that can become a living document so that the information is not outdated as soon as it's printed. Right. I mean, I think that that is super important. You know, one of the things that I think is that would be of value, because you, you said it best, because there's a lot of people who they've been there a while and they don't really, they're, they're a great knowledge base, but they have to go in and really kind of, you got to like pull it out of them to get there. And I think if... Yeah, how do you do that? That's yeah. another show. I well, well, I, well, I think one of the things that they could do, especially in a searchable wiki type thing, is being able to kind of have them write either a white paper about even uh, lessons learned of a particular project or maybe write an after action review of something as simple as like, you know, we drew a detail and I use this example, but drew this detail, got into the bid documents, went out to the site. They started to build it the way that we had it detailed, but we realized that we couldn't build it that way. And this is why. And so they're going to go to RCAT and they're going to pull down a detail and they may not know how to modify it directly to a specific issue within your project. So they're going to put the detail on the drawings and they're going to send it out and it's going to go out to the field and it may not necessarily work. Well, how do you make it work and how do you, how do you modify it? And just doing that is a great way to help somebody, especially newer people learn how to take what they find um, when they're doing like a, a detail search or spec search or something like that and tailor make it to their particular project. And so that right there alone, just teaching people how to modify details to work for what they're doing rather than reinventing a a detail, but modifying a detail is a great thing to do. Well, you know, speaking of that, this is a good opportunity to take a short break and talk about our other sponsor for this episode, because they might be able to help you do some of these things. And that is Charette Venture Group. Charette Venture Group helps design firms grow into strong businesses. Whether you're interested in an a la carte consulting or CVG's unique ongoing investment model, they can help you reduce stress and improve profits. Recently, they announced the merger with R.M. Klein Consulting. AIA fellow Rena Klein, the author of The Architect's Guide to Small Firm Management, has brought her long-standing consulting practice into Charette Venture Group and now serves as the group's vice president for investment partnerships. 
For more information on how Charette can help you and your design firm grow, visit them at www.charettevg.com or you can even call them at 515-207-2422. So check out charettevg.com and see how they can help your firm grow into a stronger business. And thank them for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. So, so getting back to the original question, one one of the things that that they ask is, wouldn't it save a ton of time and headache if firms assembled even a cursory one sheet addressing firm specific drawing standards? And I and I know that one of the things that that firms really struggle with or complain about is how people aren't as productive as they could be. And and I think a lot of it stems from not having this kind of simple information available at people's fingertips right. so that they can be doing things the the firm's way. And so I mean how do you guys how do you address this in your office, Cormac? One of the things that we had in with the very first firm that I ever worked for now it was it was purely about CAD and CAD standards, but we did have a one sheet on what our line weights were, what our layers were supposed to be, and things like that. Now, as obviously we've moved into BIM and people are using things like Revit or or other methods, they, I don't know what any of the other methods are. I'm just so used to Revit <laughs> that I have no idea if there's any other BIM there stuff. There might be some. <laughs> if any of them would like to sponsor the show, we would be glad to talk about all the different options. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but so it, it's, it's made it more complicated to just do a one sheet. But where I was going with that is, is that firms know or should know what they want the final product to look like. And that's what, and and I I make this argument all the time is until we start to you know we're used everybody's starting to use BIM, or they're knee deep into BIM and they've been doing it for a decade and a half or so. Until we're using BIM to its full extent by actually building off of the model, everybody knows that we are going to have to build off of two D plans. So everybody should know what their deliverables should and want to look like. And that's how we need to train people is, okay, how you get to this end result may differ between project managers or different project architects and stuff like that. Or you may find different details off online, but all of that's great. But here's what I want it to look like at the very end, because I need to make sure that you're including all of the proper detail all of the proper information, all of the proper CYA information that is more almost as important, if not sometimes more important than the actual information you're putting on the drawings. Because just as long as it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, look over there. Exactly. But I mean, there's there's basic levels of things that need to be on documents, regardless of what type of project type there are. And to fit, because you're going to tailor fit everything. But as long as you know you need general, like, let's just take the reflected ceiling plan. You're going to need general notes on your reflected ceiling plan of things that are best practices that you use in your firm and that you've seen and learned throughout your construction administration process that you know are things that are just general ideas that you need to get across that don't need to be detailed, don't need to be drawn up, but need to at least just be there as a note that says, 
you're going to center all of the devices in the middle of your 2 by 2 ceiling grid or whatever it is that you have for your standard. And then you know that you're going to have graphic details. And so you're going to need a graphic legend. Then you're going to have specific details, specific notes. And you're going to have a, a specific keynote legend, if that's what your office does. So your office ha should have a standardized of this is what our deliverables need to look like and information that needs to be there. And I think in this kind of ever-changing living document type thing, as long as we teach them what the end product is, all of that information that comes ahead of it can come from different sources, can come from different things. And as long as it's fit right to the end document, you should be good. This, I spent a lot of time actually talking about that. Is what This is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. There was a really interesting article on Architect Magazine written by Michael Kilkelly, and he uh, has, a, has a cool website called Arc Smarter, so a little plug for him. You might check that out. If you, uh, if you follow the link, I'll put it in the show notes, to a article about Canon Design's hospital. It's a hospital in Canada, and it's a 2 million square feet one and a half billion dollar no 3.6 million square foot new hospital so biggest uh, healthcare project in north america and one of the things he talked about was the getting everybody on the same page and i thought it was really interesting how they basically did what we talked about earlier with the the whole apple university and and the firm that you were talking about that was in was it nashville yeah so what they did was they nobody was even allowed to open the Revit model until they had been through this, I think it's a two-week class. Which is fantastic. And the reason why is, I mean, when you have, I'm, the, they talk about the schedule, they talk about that there's different levels of, of users and all this stuff, but but if you screw that Revit model up, right, there's, there's huge problems that could yeah. come out of that. And so basically they're starting from the beginning, and again, I would just call this maybe project onboarding, not necessarily office onboarding, but they actually had a training session on how to open the Revit model. And then it got deeper and deeper, like how to actually work on it and what all the different work sets were and, and how it, how the, the information was being managed, which is super important for everybody who touched that model to understand so that they didn't mess it up. Right. I mean, how many times have you opened a model, Cormac, and something that you drew yesterday is gone because somebody else thought it wasn't important? And they deleted it. I mean, that happened in our office just this week. I heard a story about yeah. someone's casework getting deleted because, you know, one reason or another. Every day that I opened up my model when I was working on elementary school, the main stair was deleted because <laughs> it was attached uh, to something else that somebody didn't want to see in one plan. And they didn't realize that they're deleting an entire three-story stair out of the model. <laughs> I mean, this kind of stuff, it just sucks that the life oh, out yeah. of you as you're rebuilding this stuff or trying to go back into old models and pull data, copy and paste it out. And so, and so this is like, this is what we're talking about, right? This is where this firm kind of implemented a onboarding process for the project to make sure that everybody knew what the hell they were doing. And I thought that th this was a great example of, of doing the right thing. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, Evan, one of the things I did last summer when I was starting up three different projects all at the same time with three different people plus myself is that I, I had us all go to a conference room and sit down and we spent an hour 
because none of us had all worked together before. Yeah. yeah I, I myself being new, of course, and really not knowing the standards, but the three others had, but had none of us had all worked together. And so since each we were creating three separate projects, they all but they were all for the same client and they were all going to be done at the same time. So they all had to have a level of consistency between the three of them. Mm-hmm. And so what I tried to do to solve this problem as I mentioned earlier in the show, we do have some office standards and it does come in a binder. And I think there's a PDF of it all on the server somewhere in the defaults. But I called a meeting between the four of us and we all sat down and talked about how the drawings are going to go together because this was a a relatively complex sort of process of doing a multifamily project and how we were going to address this was not a Revit thing. This was all just done in AutoCAD, uh, like animals, I know, but... (laughs) Savage. Savages, yes. And so how was that going to work and get noted consistently and put together and the naming standards and everything? Right. And so... The, a, a small. I know this is this is kind of trying to answer our, our listeners' question, but taking this from a very small level of okay, one project team. How do we solve this issue to make us all more productive? That's the way that I did that. Yeah, and then that worked actually pretty well. And so I think what needs to happen to try and help this and help other firms out there is you need to just take that same idea, or at least this is my suggestion and just grow that, right? Scale it up a little bit. And I think the, what we mentioned earlier in the show about having a living document is critical. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be. And that way, and then maybe it's something that gets returned to every month or every quarter or something. And there's a, you know, a lunch time talk or maybe it's uh, i like the thing that you were talking about earlier cormac where you have a little wiki or something where you can post things hey this is a good way to do this maybe we should change our standard to include this now because we've we've learned something new or the last build of revit has a new feature in it or something that we can all begin to implement and i think the the issue that i see at least in our office and and I think this is also universal as well, is that the sharing of information is difficult mm-hmm. in firms. And this goes exactly to what our listener was talking about is how do we share that information? Because if there are no drawing standards written in a manual, how are you supposed to learn? And our poor listener didn't get that for four months. So how do you speed up that process? And I think requesting it is one. I think that when you start at a firm, you should ask those questions right off the bat. How do you want this drawn? What layers should I be doing? Or how do I open up the Revit model so it doesn't get screwed up? Those are all things that you you have to do as the intern or the new employee coming in with the experience. Because I agree with you, Evan, as you mentioned earlier, that's a huge, uh, probably a bigger problem than the new person who doesn't really know. Well, what's interesting to me is that that there's there's also the empowerment idea here, where if you give people information, they're empowered to do the thing without hiding. And, and so, I and what I mean by that is, I see a lot of employees, typically the older ones who don't actually draw in Revit, but but would the team would probably benefit from them coming into the the model and being able to check things. Is they just say, you know, I don't want to screw things up, so they hide behind the idea of being 
technically illiterate potentially and instead of the the company empowering them with training to go in and and get into the model and be able to look at things without screwing it up they they kind of just let them hide behind that and they say yeah you know you really shouldn't get in there because you you, you might screw things up and then they then there's like this this layer of fear i don't know if you if you guys have seen this in the office but there's this layer of fear like oh i don't want to go in there i got yelled at once for, you know for screwing something up instead of the company or a training group or something taking the time to actually get in there and teach that person how to do it right let's take a, another short break and talk about our uh, final sponsor and that's BQE they are an AIA Advantage partner, BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help you manage people and projects while you focus on designing great architecture. Whether you are working remotely or on-site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks, send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Our podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice at www.bqe.com slash ArchiSpeak. So head on over and check them out. So Evan, real quick, I wanted to pick up on, actually, it was, it was you, Neil. You had brought up something about kind of like the responsibility of an intern. And I think this might be, there. there's two different responsibilities that we have in really trying to make the onboarding process of regardless of what your educational level experience level or whatever is with a firm and that's one at the new employee side of the responsibility and that's asking the right questions and not being afraid to we were talking about it earlier it's like people are afraid to ask questions because they don't want to let people know that they don't know something yeah, And so they're fearful of asking these questions and not really, you know, they, they, they just don't, they, you know, again, they don't want to let people know that they, so they need to push themselves into really trying to ask these questions, regardless of what the impression is going to be. Hopefully the impression is really going to be, well, you know, this guy's new here, so he's really asking the right question. And that'll get people to notice you that you're not just going to do things rogue or renegade. You're going to get in there and actually want to learn things that the way of the firm. I mean, I used to ask, I was like, look, you guys are a much larger firm than I'm used to. And I want to do things right. I want to do things the ASG way. I would much prefer to do them and make sure that the project's going to get done right versus get pro- doing the project the way I know how to do it, but it may not correspond with the ASG way. So I really want to learn the way you guys do things. And that was that worked for me because I was able to like start understanding, okay, well, if I have a project that's reaching the next submission level, I need to get it to the QA, QC guys for them to review it, to make all of their review red lines and things like that, to get it back to me, to get it prepared for the next step and things like that. Whereas prior to joining the firm, I used to do thing. I used to do all of that myself. And so to understand and learn where everything else is coming from, that's the best thing that you can do. Now on the flip side, the firm side, it's the hardest thing is because nine times out of 10, you get a new employee in and they're like, okay, who's going to take this new guy? Hey, Evan, you're going to, you're going to 
do the, you know, the new guy's going to come work with you. And you're like, great, I don't have anything to do. I'm too busy doing this or I'm too busy doing yeah. that to yep, be able yep. to sit down and, and kind of onboard process them into what we need to do here. And so it, it's, a, it's a hard struggle. And so firms really need to embrace this standardization of things or this yeah. onboarding process to really teach them. And regardless, and, and I think the, the article that you had mentioned about basically you're not allowed to touch the project or open anything until you go through this process needs to be a standard that firms really kind of embrace and push and make mandatory. Well, realize that it it's going to affect the bottom line one way or another. And so you can be intentional about it, right? You can exactly. go in there with the intention of training people so that they do things the way that you want them to do that your way so that you can be profitable and, and really affect the bottom line in a positive way, or you can avoid it, right? right? And you can affect the bottom line in a very negative way, potentially. And and someone could just be sitting there feeling like they're treading water, not knowing what they're going to do. And, and I like your approach, Cormac, where you, you, you kind of reframed it from fake it till you make it to being the kind of person who wants to do it the right way. And you say that out loud. And I think people respond positively to that. Yeah. And they say, okay, hey, they want to learn. They want to do it this way. I'm going to teach them the right way to do it. And I would encourage people who to do that, number one, but then also to write down what they find out and and share that with other people. Because if, if it's a struggle in the company, it's got to start somewhere. So it might as well be you starting to contribute to right. some kind of a, a document with that information in it. Well, Cormac, you just described the best way to, to do that. If you're a new employee or an intern, ask the questions or at least be amenable to saying, I'm going to come in here. Yes, I have some knowledge, but I want to do it the right way or the way of this firm, that'll go a long way because the if you come in with the opposite attitude, you're not going to make it there. It's just not going to work out for you. Trust me. I, I've, I've experienced this myself. So, And, and you're going to hate the experience of architecture, just, yeah. especially if you're new and you come in and you're like, well, I know how to do this, and but I'm just going to sit and stew over um, people telling me what to do their way and stuff like that. I know how to do it kind of stuff. And they're just going to hate the profession and they're going to end up leaving and it's just because either they or the firm just made it a bad experience and i'm not i don't want to put it on the they that interns coming in and not doing it but i i think that integrating yourself into the first of all you chose of to go work for a firm so be a part of that firm yeah be a part of that firm from the day that you get hired to the day you decide to leave that firm be a an active participant in that firm and it's the success of that firm be a part of it and so ask the questions do the right thing get in there and ask them even if it's the stupid question or whatever that the people say don't exist well guess what ask it so at least you don't feel stupid by just sitting around and not doing anything yeah i i think that's a that's a great approach for anyone coming into a firm and i think as an intern or somebody who's new to a firm it never hurts to ask these questions but what i find and i and i had sort of this experience just yesterday in my office is that you can always if you do have a question about say maybe how something is done come to ask the question with an answer or how you a would do it, idea. a proposed yeah. idea. Right. It's like, I think this is how I would do this. Does that match 
say, the office standard, or is this the right way to do it? Because if you just come, there's there's a message that is sometimes, or that is sent, when, if you just come there and say, I don't understand how to do this, teach me, tell me. That's one approach. The other approach is, I'm not sure how we do this here. This is how I've done it. Is that the correct way, right? And, and or, because that's, it shows that you're engaged, you're thinking, you are showing some expertise, and also a willingness to learn. And I think that's a, a great approach for anybody who's listening. If you're new to a firm, if you take that approach, you'll go far and do well. Yeah, and even and even take it a step further and say, you know, if if that document or that uh, knowledge base or whatever it is doesn't exist, hey, can I? Uh, would you mind if I actually started that up so that this information can be passed along to other people who get hired, right? You don't have to leave it right there. You could actually add value to the company, like you're saying, Cormac, like yeah. be roll up your sleeves, get into making the success of the company something that you can be a part of by offering to start that thing. And it can just be as simple as using a Dropbox paper where it's a living online editing or it's Google Docs or it could be Evernote or it could be a real wiki software or an internet, something like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it should be something somewhere. And you could be the person who starts that with a little bit of initiative. Right. Well, those are all great suggestions. And I just want to quickly remind everyone that we'd like to thank our episode sponsors. First, we have RCAT. Check out all the features they offer at arcat.com. We're also sponsored by this time by Charette Venture Group. CVG helps design firms grow into strong businesses. Visit them and learn more about how they can help you and your firm grow at charettevg.com. We'd also like to thank BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. Get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice at bqe.com slash archispeak. And make sure to visit our website at archispeakpodcast.com for links to our catalog of episodes and to sign up for our newsletter, which includes links to everything we mention in the episode. Between episodes, join the conversation on the Archispeak Podcast Facebook page or Twitter. Links to everything can be found at the main site, archispeakpodcast.com. Stay subscribed, and thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye.